0: So our second scripture reading today um, comes to us from Genesis chapter 45, and you can pick it up in your pew Bible because it won't be on the screen. Um, We're just near the end of the the very end of the first book of the Bible. Genesis has 50 chapters, and this is chapter 45. And the reading we have today picks up with what we were talking about last week. It's about Joseph, who's one of the sons of Jacob, and he's the one that his father seems to love best. And his brothers, of course, are jealous of this. And so they jump him and they beat him up and they throw him down into a pit joseph is sold into slavery and ends up in egypt and then and i'm just recapping a lot of biblical history for you after a run-in with his boss's wife he ends up um, in jail in prison wrongly accused but then you might remember while in prison joseph starts interpreting dreams First for his fellow prisoners and then for Pharaoh. And he's so good at seeing around corners and and understanding what's ahead that the Pharaoh pulls him out of jail and elevates him. And he gets all the way to the place where he's the number two person in all of Egypt. Meanwhile, after seven years of plenty where everybody had enough to eat... They're now entering a time in Egypt of famine, seven years where they don't have enough to eat. And Joseph has been in this position where he prepared everyone so they have a lot of food in Egypt, but in Israel, where his father and brothers live, there is not enough to eat. And so his father sends the brothers down to Egypt to say, go and see if you can buy some food from the Egyptians. So the brothers come to buy food, and when they get there, they're brought before Joseph But he doesn't recognize them. Wait, they don't recognize him. Get it right. You were following along. Good job. Okay. We were distracted by the middle school group coming in. Okay, hold on. So he is the reason, part of the reason they don't recognize him is he's wearing his you know his best Egyptian clothing, kind of like a Yule Brenner type of look. And so they don't know that he's the one that they had thrown into the pit all those years ago. He's the one that they had sold into slavery. And he's not only alive. But he's also their best and only hope to get some food. He's their best chance to survive. So Joseph, oh, oh, oh now we're at the story. Okay, now listen. This is Genesis chapter 45, 1 to 15. Listen. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brother's. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, "'I am Joseph. Is my father still alive?' But his brothers could not answer him. They were so dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, "'Come closer to me,' and they came closer. He said, "'I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt.' And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for, for God sent me here to preserve life. For the famine that has been in the land these years, there are five more years to come where neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep you and keep you alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. While Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, well, good morning again. Welcome back to the middle schoolers. Thanks for coming back in. Um, it's great to be with you. And I would say hi to those online. If they're listening in, hi on Facebook Live or YouTube, or maybe this will be on the sermon podcast later. For everyone who's here in person, Um, Let's do it. Let's do it country western style. Just turn to someone next to you and say, "Howdy, partner." Just turn to somebody. Hi, partner. (laughs) I want to start off today uh, with you by talking about magic. And if you see the sermon title, some of you have already guessed that that is part of our topic. And um, my my idea here is to invite my daughter Abigail, uh, Abby, to come forward because she has a card trick, a magic. You want to see a magic trick? All right, Abby, come on up. And you need somebody with you, don't you? You need Steve to come up there or somebody else? Who's going to do it? Okay. Angela's going to go? All right. Oh, and they have a screen, too. Okay. Right there in the front. Let's see. Do you need a microphone, too, to, to tell them what you're doing? Yeah. Do you? All right. Mr. Steve, will you, be the, will you run the mic for these two? All right.
1: Um, so you can shuffle the deck.
0: Shuffle the deck.
1: So I'm going to be doing a card trick that only uses nine cards, but um, she can just shuffle the deck to show that I don't have it set up in any
0: way. So nine cards, but she's shuffling to make sure, we see that you don't have it set up in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. You got it. Thanks.
0: We gotta reshuffle that one, though, just to make mm-hmm. sure.
1: Okay. Um, Could you hold this? Okay. So, here I have nine cards, and I'm going to make three piles with three cards in each. point to the pile that you want me to flip over? Cool. So remember, um, I don't know how I'm supposed to show this to everyone, but uh, five of clubs. So I'm going to take this. Now I'm gonna spell out the card. F-I-V-E-5. O F of C L U B S Clubs. Now I'm gonna make M A G I C Magic. And this is the five of clubs.
0: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Great job, thank you. Can we give her another hand? All right, thank you guys. Abby and Angela, Steven middle schoolers, you can go back out. You can do what you're going to do. Thank you. It's like a traveling magic show going on. All right, out they go. out they go. And we'll all just watch them for a minute. Just take a look. Yeah. <laughs> Make it awkward, parents, you know? OK. Um, we're in a sermon series, uh, this month and towards the end of summer, uh, which is called a brief stroll through Genesis and Exodus. And in order to keep it brief, we got to keep it moving. That's why we're covering a lot of territory all at once. And, um, so I want to, I want to show you something from our scripture today, the way that there's a narrative arc to the story that we hear. And, um, and it's, it's built into the story of scripture and it's sort of like a magic trick. It's sort of like a magic trick. Um, I was reading this week that a lot of magic tricks follow a three-part pattern. It goes like this. There's the pledge. That's the first part, the pledge, where the magician shows you something ordinary and pledges. This is ordinary, like Abby just did. This is an ordinary pack of cards, right? No tricks. And you can shuffle it, and that's okay. Or when a magician shows you, like, a bird and says, this is just a bird, a dove. That's the pledge. Then comes the turn. That's the second part of a magic trick in this, in this arc. And the turn is where the magician does something astonishing. The magician will make the bird disappear. And then the third act, the third part of these classic uh, magic tricks is called the prestige. And some of you saw the movie that came out a few years ago uh, called The Prestige. And that's the third part where the magician makes whatever it was that disappeared or changed or was amazing come back to normal. So, the bird that was, that was disappeared will show up again. On April 8, 1983, some of you will remember that a magician named David Copperfield pulled off his greatest magic trick of all time, a lot of you will know this, and he followed this exact pattern. He had a live um, audience on hand, and people were watching from their homes, many people watched on TV live in New York City where he had the Statue of Liberty, and it was set up in lights. And, um, with everybody watching, he showed the Statue of Liberty, and then he made it disappear. And people were there live, and there were cameras watching, so everyone at home could see the Statue of Liberty was gone. And then, the prestige, he made it come back again. Um, that was the third part of his act. Did any of you see that? Do any of you remember that? Yeah. I was, uh, some of us, I was a little young at that time, but I watched on YouTube, and you can watch it still. It's an amazing trick to see the Statue of Liberty disappear just like that. And So that's how it went. The pledge, here's a normal thing. The turn, I'm going to do something astonishing. And then the prestige, I'm going to set it all back together again. You could imagine um, probably a magic trick going wrong, right? Like when you make the bird disappear and, it ne- and you can't find it again. Like, what happened to that bird? Or somebody who uh, you know, makes your watch disappear and you never get it back. Um, that kind of a thing. I have one magic trick that I do with um, kids at a party And uh, it involves a coin, and I know how to show the coin, and I know how to disappear the coin, but I can never get it back again. (laughs) Some of you have seen that trick that I've done, so it's too bad. Um, So I want to suggest to you today that we see a similar three-part pattern in the scripture story of Joseph. Um, And and disclaimer, I'm not saying the Bible story is a magic trick or anything like that. I'm saying it has a narrative arc, and we can follow it. We're meant to notice it, to enjoy it, and to learn from it. So first comes the pledge. And just follow along with me. This is kind of higher-level Bible thinking. Okay. Um, First comes the pledge, which is something ordinary. Here is Joseph's family, and it's ordinary stuff. There's family troubles. There's strife. There's jealousy. There's sibling rivalry. Any of you know anything about this? There's trouble in the family, trouble at home. This is just the human condition. The Bible is showing us life as it is. There's struggle and trouble in the world. There's uh, this story that we read in the Bible, it's a tragedy, it's a human tragedy, it's an everyday human tragedy. We know that sometimes bad things happen. To who? Good people. And we know an experience of that. So that's just life as it is. That's a baseline. Then in the story comes the turn where something happens that is extraordinary. So Joseph, who is thrown in a pit and sold down to slavery in Egypt by his brothers, he's imprisoned and he's in a terrible situation, The amazing and astonishing thing is that he's raised up out of that condition. He's brought up out of prison. He is set free, and he is uh, given a new role with Pharaoh where he becomes the number two man in all of Egypt. In the reading today, it kind of sounded like he he thought he was the number one man, right? Um, But he's raised up high. Something amazing, almost hard to believe. Wait a minute. Like this guy who came as a slave, uh, you know, a laborer into the country becomes the number two person? Yeah, that's what happened. But the story is not quite complete until we arrive today at the part, which is the prestige, where Joseph's story doesn't end just with his rise out of slavery, like an all-American, up by your bootstraps kind of a tale. It includes his brothers coming down, and finally they're going to face the music, and we can't wait. You know, it's a moment where he could punish them. He could get back at them. He could get his revenge for all that they had done to him. But that's not what Joseph does. That's not how Joseph acts. That's not how God wants his story to end. The prestige or this way that the extraordinary thing is brought back and set right is that Joseph finds a way to forgive his brothers. He establishes a new relationship with them even after all that has happened. I doubt he forgets everything that happened. But he establishes a new relationship even based on what the history was he sends for his father. His whole family comes down together to Egypt to live with him and be under his care. In Genesis chapter 50, just a few chapters later, he even says this amazing thing. This is what Joseph says, you meant it for evil, but the Lord used it for good. You meant it for evil. You wanted to do me harm, but God took it and used it for something good, Last Sunday after worship, we were in coffee hour, and somebody said to me, "Um, you know, I love the story of Joseph. I can really relate. I've been down in a pit just like him. I bet that's you as well. One of the great things about the scripture is that we can consistently see ourselves in the story. So I wonder for you, just as you hear this whole narrative arc of the Joseph story, where do you see yourself in it? What part of his journey relates to your life and your faith? Maybe it's that you're struggling and you're in that pit right now. We talked about that last week. Some of us are in a a pit kind of time where you're down. Maybe that's your situation. Maybe you're in a time where you've been lifted up the way Joseph was, and you could say, thank God I got out of that terrible place. I got out of that time of my life. I'm into a new season. Maybe you're like Joseph in, in a time where relationships are changing. Maybe there's a chance to get over an old hurt or forgive something that's happened in the past. Maybe you're in a time where you're getting a fresh start. Where do you see yourself if you plotted along the story of Joseph? Down in the pit, being raised up into a new season. The story of Joseph is rich with connections for us if we have ears to hear and eyes to see. Maybe his stories like yours with sibling rivalries or a, a, a desire for parental attention. Maybe it's the way that life for you has gotten messed up somehow along the way. I don't know that you've been thrown in a pit or sold into slavery, but you've probably experienced some of these realities, the ones that have big names like cancer or grief. Big names like divorce or loneliness. Big things like, racism or exclusion or family drama or division within family or neighbors. What we see in the biblical story is that these hard realities of our world, they don't have the final word. These hard realities of our world, which we don't deny, we know them, they don't get the final word. That's our Christian faith. We say that these things are real, they are valid, but they are not the ultimate and deepest truth. So, what you experience in a hard time is is worthwhile it's meaningful it's real but there's also reason to be called towards hope and our hope is in the ongoing often unseen work of our god our faithful and loving god so the story about joseph and his brothers can be an encouragement to you if you're in a time of struggle because you see the way that it, it resolves as you hear it you can see that god was with them until the end but then it also goes further, uh, this story. It's not just about where we see ourselves in the story. The Bible's not all about us, it's also a story that shows God's intention. So check this out. Uh, There's a Bible teacher named Beth Moore. Some of you will know Beth Moore. She was a woman in the Baptist tradition who was a teacher. Started out with um, teaching ladies Bible studies and women's Bible studies, a retreat leader. Um, She wrote books and she was a speaker. Over time, um, men started hearing her speak and saying, wow, that's really good stuff. I'll listen to her too. And then she got into a big fight with her denomination, which does not uh, affirm women in leadership. So she got kind of booted out. She left their denominational background. She's a really great Bible teacher. So she has some of these um, points. And she says that the story of Joseph in the Bible is kind of a precursor that points towards Christ. And if you read the Old Testament and you read the Joseph story, it's almost like you're seeing a Christ figure set into the narrative of Genesis. She points out some of the things. There are parallels between these stories. Um, Both were innocent, both were chosen and beloved by their fathers, Joseph and Jesus. Both were sent by their fathers to go and see about their brothers. That's how Joseph went to see his brothers. Jesus comes to see sisters and brothers here on earth. Joseph forgave the ones who tried to ruin him. So did Jesus. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Both had a plot against them. Both were betrayed. Both ended up bringing salvation to many people. For Joseph, it was his family and the people of Israel who were saved and preserved because of his work. In Jesus Christ, we also find our salvation. We're saved and preserved because of the work of Christ. So a magic, in a magic trick, like the ones that David Copperfield pulls, pulls off, uh, there are these three parts. The pledge, the turn, and the prestige. And there's joy and amazement and fun in a magic trick that can last for a little while. But our faith in God has to do with what C.S. Lewis called a deeper magic. And the faith, hope and love that Jesus brings is no trick and it is no illusion. It is a solid rock and foundation that you and I can build our lives on. The promises of God are secure and alive for you today. So my prayer for you and for me this week, as we walk through the narrative arc of our own stories, including times when things get tough, is that we would see how God is with us, faithfully walking and making a way. May we respond in our lives this week with faithfulness to the faithfulness of God. May it be so for you. Amen. Amen.